SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And happy Monday. Welcome to Fantasy Sports Today here on SportsGrid for December the 14th, 2020. Just a little bit over a week away from the Christmas holiday right now in the Hanukkah holiday, which I am celebrating right now. Craig Miss, Joe Pizapia with you here on the show every day, noon to 2 Eastern. Thanks so much for tuning in. we got two hours of discussion. A lot of fantasy football recapping uh, yesterday's games and looking at what is in the future. I know for me, Joe, the future is uh, 2021 because I was eliminated in my one fantasy football playoff matchup. It wasn't really particularly close. Uh just what can i what can i say it was not my year so now all of the discussion that we have is all toward everybody else and their fantasy football playoffs and maybe even toward next year so good to see you how was your weekend well first of all my condolences and then also on top of which happy festival of lights to you craig mish and we've got a festival of fantasy football ahead of us today so i hope you're enjoying the hanukkah holiday and everyone else out there who celebrates as well but yeah a lot of people uh had some tough uh Tough roads to climb, especially if you were facing Derrick Henry. Probably not a good week for you if you were facing the big DH. That was you. That'll do it to you. That'll do it to you. Devontae Adams, Derrick Henry, you know, those are some of the ones down there too. But look, you know what? You got to the playoffs. You got to the dance. That's a successful season. Always look at it that way, especially in 2020, because this has been a really difficult year. But it's never too early to start looking ahead to 2021, no matter what Craig tells you. He prepares about three hours before his draft starts. Me, I'm working on the Black Book basically in April. So that's where we're getting there. So, uh, and speaking of black books, baseball black book will be out tomorrow. So that's all completely all right. uploaded to Amazon. Very exciting. So you could see for once, I'm actually going to enjoy the holidays, the earliest release ever. I have a nice, nice relaxing holiday season ahead of me. I can't believe we're here, but I guess this is what you do with the extra time you have in 2020. You release books faster, but I'm sorry about your playoff loss, but there were some good performances, especially DFS, especially those value guys we talked about on Friday, Rivers, Hilton, Montgomery, Washington defense, all pretty good returns on investment. So that that was a pretty good help. There's so hopefully folks, uh, folks who were listening and played those guys this past weekend. I mean, I had so many people tell me all about those those value pay this weekend. I just <laughs> oh, got I texts know. all weekend. So many, all weekend long so many texts. I know, I know. It was it's a million of them. Yeah, I know. crazy. I know. Like millions of dollars everybody made. But um, yeah, congratulations on that, on getting the book done. I think you may have to do a little switching up here in the next day or two. I'm hearing there's some uh, pretty good rumors going on with baseball. <laughs> so um, hopefully I'll have that for you either later today or tomorrow. But let's get to our headlines here. And talk about our weekend and look ahead toward the uh, upcoming week. And let's look at what happened in college football first, because really Auburn firing Gus Malzahn was really the big story of the weekend. It's kind of interesting that Malzahn seems to like go on this good year, bad year, good year, bad year type thing with Auburn. And then when he has the good year, he gets a contract extension and everybody's happy. But wow, they decided they are not letting the bad year go for Malzahn. And then they certainly did not look good a couple of weeks ago for sure. And uh, and he is out. Uh, unfortunately, Lovey Smith also out of a job at Illinois. He did absolutely nothing there in the time that he was there. He can go back to being a coordinator, I'm sure, in the NFL, uh, but had a bad run at Illinois. They need to switch there. Uh, OK, the the NFL was interesting this week and the later games were interesting. The early slate was probably the least interesting one o'clock uh, slate of the season. It was boring. It was dull. They were all blowouts. Mm-hmm. So what can I tell you? Uh, Dan Bailey missed four field goals in the loss to the Buccaneers. 
it would have easily covered that game, maybe even won. But now Minnesota season more or less over Tampa Bay moves on. Also, uh, the Bears, Mitchell Trubisky, how about that? For one day in the sun, outshined Deshaun Watson. <laughs> they destroyed Houston, did Chicago there. David Montgomery had a long run, and their defense played very well in that one as well. Uh, big sports story, I think, this weekend is the Cleveland Indians no longer. They're now the MLB team that are changing their nickname. Not really sure what it will be yet, but that seems to be percolating this weekend. So we've had the Washington football team, formerly the Redskins. We've had the Indians now, Cleveland. And then, uh, you know, I mean, it's possible the Braves are next. That would be wild to see if the Braves lose their nickname, too. But, uh, you know, doing this for uh, the right reasons, there's no doubt. And then the Mets hired Jared Porter as their general manager. Very well thought after in in Arizona, for sure. I've been hearing his name for a number of years. I'm always a big fan of that organization. I've said it here many times. So it doesn't surprise me that this is the move. I was kind of rooting for, of course, Mike Hill, who was a former president of the Marlins. He was a finalist for the job. So I was hoping that he would get it naturally. But Jared Porter's a, a really good hire. And the Mets needed this to get done. You know, you, you need somebody out there making these calls. And I know Sandy Alderson's doing it, but that was not the plan going in. So this is a good move, I think, for the Mets. I think he'll be liked. Well, I certainly hope so. And uh, it looks like he's going to have some money to spend, which is very encouraging. And as far as the Cleveland Indians things go, look, you know, maybe time for a change is good. Evolution's good. Question is, can he do better? And I think the answer is yes. And I'll tell you what, if you win, just look at the Washington football team, right? Nobody cares what they're called. As long as you're winning games, that's all anybody matters. Everybody gets excited about wins. Um, Dan Bailey, tough day for him, uh, no doubt about that. Tough season for Dan Bailey, really, and tough for the Minnesota Vikings. They are now basically done. And the Trubisky one is fascinating, Craig, because I was just talking on a podcast before the show here. I was uh, doing a spot with a friend of ours here, a friend on the show, uh, Murph, who has appeared on the program as we uh, welcome in our radio audience here to Fantasy Sports Today on Sports Grid. I could tell you also, you know, we were talking about Trubisky. And talking about can he do enough here at the end to not only save his job, but also Nagy's job, regardless if they make the playoffs. And with the way they're starting to look now the last few weeks, I'm starting to feel like that's possible. And I'm also wondering, and I'll put this question to you, do you think that the Bears are looking at a strong finish with Trubisky as also possible? Look at all the coaching jobs and how we're going to have to fight over a coach potentially. Maybe it's a good yeah. offseason to not fire our head coach if things are ending, at least on a high note. Yeah, it just depends. And, and look, this is one game for the Bears that they've looked good. They've looked terrible for seven in a row. So uh, hard to say there. Uh, what a what a weird weekend it was in the NFL. We're going to get right to it next with our fantasy standouts as uh, major underdogs covering all over the place in the NFL. I'll tell you about it all next and go over the standout. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today here on SportsGrid. Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Unfortunately, for the fantasy standouts from Sunday, none of them include players on... My fantasy team. It's kind of the way that the season ended, unfortunately, for me. But nonetheless, I was very happy. I ended up with DK Metcalf, so I got one thing right all year. The rest was horrible. And um gonna look forward to 2021. Gonna look forward to reading your black book, getting into some fantasy baseball, maybe in January or February. And this week, by the way, all the managers of Major League Baseball are speaking at this pseudo winter meetings Zoom conferencing. Yeah. 
And I uh, and I'm, I think we'll bring some of that to you guys later this week. Let's right. see if we can dive in through a little bit of baseball. Not not a lot. There's still a lot more football to go here, but we'll you know do a little bit of transitioning as we go here. So, okay, fantasy standouts from Sunday. Here we go. I'm, I'm sure everybody had Drew Locke, 21 of 27 yesterday, <laughs> 280 passing yards and four touchdowns against Carolina. Carolina, one of our super contest picks. Thank you very much. Good job there. Derrick Henry, 26 carries, 215 rushing yards and two touchdowns. I was feeling so good going up against Derrick Henry in that first quarter. I was like, wow, okay, good. And then, yeah, fell apart. David Montgomery, 11 carries, 113 yards. All of his yards really on one carry, 80-yard touchdown, three receptions, 42 yards for him as well. Definitely on the rise for next year. Allen Robinson, maybe his one of his last few games in Chicago, we'll have to see nine receptions, 123 yards, and a touchdown. He was great again. Tyreek Hill scored twice, although it was very quiet for him. And Travis Kelsey had eight receptions for 136 yards and a touchdown. I think that's kind of what stands out for me a little bit in, in that game yesterday between Kansas City and Miami. I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit more, but... Like, like Kansas City could not play any worse than they played mm-hmm. against Miami. They played horribly yesterday, all over offense, defense. I guess special teams, mm-hmm. they got the best of Miami. But they played so bad and and still ended up giving you fantasy points. And it just goes to show you whether it's on FanDuel or your season-long league, the commodity of having Chiefs is just a great thing to have. It's like they, they almost always do well. Mahomes, Hill, Kelsey – and as long as all the personnel stays the same, I think for next year, Joe, 2021, you just it, it may not be the sexiest pick. Like everyone wants the next Metcalf, I'm sure. Like that that's what'll happen. Mm-hmm. But it is the safe route. The Chiefs are always putting points sure. on the board. They are. Uh, look, a little bit of a twinge in the hamstring at the end there for Tyreek Hill to keep an eye on this week for fantasy owners. But you're absolutely right. I mean, look, I went back to this Mahomes well again this week and put Mahomes with Henry in a couple lineups just because of that same reason you know that's just how good they are and you know and as bad as they looked at times in this game they were by the time they hit towards the fourth quarter they were still up with a commanding lead and then kind of let their foot off the gas made a few mistakes next thing you know all of a sudden Tua and company kind of found their way back in this game too which is staggering that they could play as poorly as they did especially in that first quarter and then still be able to turn it on at times and just score at will they're incredible and travis kelsey is also that entity that we've talked about and touched on a little bit on this show where if you look at how deep the wide receiver pool is in 2021 and you concentrate on that and realize just how many great buys there are you can justify going up to the top of the board and getting travis kelsey and having that rpv that relative position value advantage at that position on a weekly basis is huge and putting him with Mahomes is not until like if you took a running back first and then went Kelsey and Mahomes with your first three picks, I'm hard pressed to think that team doesn't make the playoffs as long as that running back stays healthy. I mean, that is a pretty good way to start a team. And I understand you look at it and say, well, do I want to reach for a tight end? Do I range for, for a quarterback? You're not just reaching for any of those guys. You're reaching for difference maker versions at those positions. And speaking of difference makers, let's talk about my boy, Derrick Henry, a little bit, a little record here for Derrick Henry. He becomes that is the fourth game, by the way, for him to have over 200 yards and two touchdowns in a game. That breaks a tie. There were three other guys in that as a tie with him. Those names were Jim Brown, Barry Sanders, and Ladanian Tomlinson. Now, how about you, Craig? That sounds like some pretty good running back company. And that seems like something we have to take notice of what we're seeing here, which is you're right. Maybe you got off to a slow start, but it's like the Derrick Henry season. Sometimes the season gets off to a slow start, although he was better in September this year than last year, no doubt about that. 
But Derrick Henry continues to be in that conversation for number one overall pick. He's going to have 1,500 yards again two years in a row. He is going to make a run at that rushing title again. Looks like he's going to front runner yet again for that. We'll see if Cook can catch him at the end. I don't think he can, but Derrick Henry, two years in a row. He's only going to be the third, third guy in the last 20 years, Craig, to win a rushing title back-to-back years. We are seeing history here. We are seeing a back who by the time we step back and realize it is going to be a hall of fame back potentially if he has another three or four seasons in this same universe. Yeah. And, and look, that could very well happen. And also none of it could happen. It's running backs. I mean, if you would three years ago, if I would have told you Todd Gurley would be out of the league in 2021, you would have said no chance. If I would have told you David Johnson would be out of the league in 2021, you would have said no chance. It, it is hard to project these running backs for a long period of time. I will say this. Going forward from this point on, there's no doubt he's the most valuable commodity to have in the fantasy playoffs. What is interesting to me in – look, and, and I don't, I'm not talking to millions of people about this, but I know a lot of people that had asked me questions about fantasy this week, and they, they were talking about their other teams, and some people got knocked out having Henry last week. It's interesting that you, know, you spent mm-hmm. such a high draft pick on him. You got all the way to the finish line last week, but they got knocked out. If you made it with him going into this week, I mean, you got a great shot of winning the championship because you're right. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's going to probably put up some monster numbers, but it's funny how it works too because uh, fantasy is so fickle. You almost need your, as they call them, studs to do it every week. Like McCaffrey was like plug and play last year, right? Or right. two years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Every you just you just knew you're getting oh, 30 last points. year. <laughs> no, it's still last year. I know right. 2021 feels like five, 2020 feels like five years, right. but yes, it was this last now. year. Where he was that good, yes, and, and and you know you're right. The running back position is very volatile, and there's no doubt about that. What's unique about Henry is the size, uh, and compared to some of the other running backs you get nowadays. And you know Todd Gurley, that knee was something that was a, a question in college. I mean, his first year he missed time, and we were waiting for him just like we waited for Adrian Peterson. So I'm starting to feel like Henry might be more towards that other ilk of that guy that outlasts because of the frame. Uh, but at the same time, you're right. There is absolutely risk with running back with all the running backs because of the attrition at the position. And speaking yeah, of risk, there's yeah. also some reward too. And patience with a guy like David Montgomery might finally be paying off yeah, a little so. bit. Now I think, and I think it's helped with Trubisky being able to move around the pocket a little bit. It's taken some pressure off. See when defensive lines this year have, have been aggressive on that Chicago offensive line. Foles has been a statue back there. He's gotten hit a ton, and there's been a ton of issues there. With Trubisky, his ability to roll out, it's kind of worn them down a little bit, and that's helped some of these big plays where he's able to break free. And this is not one, not two. This is now three weeks in a row where David Montgomery has had good games. Now, yes, they're all mostly built on one big play, but that's okay. Like, I want playmakers. I want guys who can break a 50-yard run, a 70-yard run. That's not a negative. It's something that's now built in a little bit. And going forward next year, if they can continue to build on that offensive line and continue to have some advances with Trubisky, look, this was a really good game for the Bears. There's no doubt about that. Houston's not a very good defensive team, but they bounced back after last week losing to Detroit. So they thought this was a good win for the Bears. And with Drew Locke, I don't know what to say here, except that he must have heard you because – Every week we come here on Monday and every week we talk about Drew Locke and every week you talk about why don't they just let him throw the ball more? Well, you threw the ball more, four touchdowns. I know you didn't care for the outcome necessarily, but A.J. Hamler having a nice finish to the season too, very quietly. Yeah, Locke didn't look great. I know know that we beat up on Carolina. I watched the game. I watched every game, but I watched the game. He gets sacked. He loses the ball. Carolina's running the other way. You know, I mean, look. 
I, I don't trust anything that I saw in that game yesterday. But I, I got it. Look, I got to give Denver credit because I'll, I got to take the loss there on uh, on Carolina. It was not a good week for us, and that was one of the picks that we really did like. I thought Carolina was a much better team. Um, did not even like the spot for Denver, honestly, playing on the road. They're a much better home team than road. But what is the mm-hmm. end result in the NFL? There's luck. And the luck in that game is a kickoff return for a touchdown. It is it's it can maybe only happens one time a year or two times a year for your NFL team. And when it happens, you're probably going to be on the losing end because that's just not something that's predictable. It's like a a pick six turnover, things like that. Um, And honestly, it happened. You know what? Truthfully, it happened for Carolina, too. They sacked lock. They picked up the ball, ran for a touchdown or close to a touchdown also. So we'll have to take it on the chin there. All right, so uh, I know a lot of you are still alive, so let's not focus on the negative. Let's go to the positive. Chicago and Tampa both put on really good offensive performances yesterday, and we're going to get to those next coming up here on Fantasy Sports Today. Also, a little bit later, we'll do some fantasy or reality, ask you some interesting questions about sports. So make sure you stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. As I mentioned earlier in the show, a lot of the early games in the NFL in Week 13 were blowouts. First time all season that there were really almost i don't think any was was there a single compelling finish and i I guess i guess the carolina game that we were talking about was the only compelling finish most of the games were over uh after Mm -hmm. two hours so it was all just fantasy at that point for me uh but let's take a look at one of the games it was over very quickly chicago just dominated houston start to finish trubisky threw for 267 yards and three touchdowns arguably his best game of the season David Montgomery, 11 for 113, three catches, 42 yards. He also scored a touchdown. We spoke about Allen Robinson, 9 for 123 and a touchdown. Ironically, the Bears, again, with Montgomery, couldn't get in at the goal line a few times, and they threw to Jimmy Graham <laughs> at the back of the end zone. I don't. I just don't think Montgomery can score from 80 yards out. I just don't think he can score from one yard out. I think that's, like, the issue with him. Anyway, Graham is back on the fantasy radar, I guess. He had a touchdown, 10 points. Now let's go over to Houston. Deshaun Watson, not his best game. He was just getting harassed uh, all game long. 21 mm-hmm. of 30, 219 passing yards, three, uh, 38 rushing yards and a touchdown. They also had the ball near the goal line. And if you lost by a few points, you're miserable because they could have had another one. Duke Johnson also in and out of the game. They put him in the 10 at one point, came out. Uh, Houston's got to get a running back next year, like a legitimate draft pick running back. Eight carries, 26 yards, two receptions, 52 yards. Hey, Chad Hansen was a really good last-second pickup yesterday if you ended up doing that when you heard cooks was out because he gave you a really good day seven receptions 56 yards also had a good first half and kiki kuti ended up scoring a touchdown he had three receptions for 24 yards so the the bears i'm i'm not gonna live in that moment I, i just think it was one game great spot for the bears houston is now proving that if the weather is bad at all or even a little bit chilly (laughs) <laughs> they just go into a shell. I mean, this is a game. Against Cleveland, they fell apart. Against the Bears, they fell apart. Uh, I think Houston will be, you know, they're going to be, they're going to win one more game probably the rest of the year. It just was a really good spot for Chicago. 
and uh, don't believe in them at all moving forward. But we got lucky with with getting that game from Montgomery for sure. And Allen Robinson is just a plug and play. What wide receiver? Too so good at, at the work. I mean, he's he's a high end too. He is like the epitome of high end wide receiver too. Because unfortunately, he just doesn't play in an offense that has the upside to give him Devonte Adams kind of days. And I, I hope that he does next year. And and I think at this stage, you know, I understand Trubisky lost that ball at the end last week, but that should have been a W for them as well. There should be two wins in a row for this football team. And I think there's easily a sentiment out there where people are wondering, you know, should they have ever gone to Foles in the first place? Would it have been just better off for the organization as a whole if you just let Trubisky go out there again and fail or pass for whatever is best. And I, I don't know the answer to that. No one ever will for sure. But that speculation certainly going around. I think in terms of the goal line too, I think it's an indictment on that offensive line I talked about earlier. I don't think the Bears offensive line is any good. And that's why they fail at the goal line. <laughs> now I'm going to put some of it on Montgomery, but I'm going to put some of it on the offensive line as well. This was a, a big moment mm-hmm. for Trubisky going against that guy that everybody keeps reminding him, hey, we could have had this guy instead of you. You're a bum. Well, we went out there for one day at least and got the job done. But Allen Robinson, unsung hero in fantasy, man. Him, Terry McLaurin, those are two guys that I'm happy to have on my team next year. And again, speaks to how deep wide receiver is. And you're absolutely right. Houston needs to get a running back in the worst way and a workhorse one at that because the last time they were really steady offensively in that vein, we had to go back to like Lamar Miller a couple years ago where they could just turn the ball off yeah, and hand it to yeah. him and it was steady and he would get you about 900, 1,000 yards somewhere in that vein. But I don't know what this team is going to be next year because we know the coach is going to be next year. So it could be a, a big remake there in Houston. So keep an eye on that because I think you're going to see a lot of these pieces jettisoned. You'll see Watson, but I think you could see a page one rewrite with the rest of this offense and what's left of it. Yeah, no, I I think all those things are definitely in play for sure. All right, Tampa Bay, Minnesota, the Vikings jumped out on top in this one early. It looked like it would be a win for them, but as we discussed, their kicker really couldn't make a field goal or extra point at a really tough day. For the Buccaneers, Tom Brady did just enough, 15 of 23, 196 passing yards and two touchdowns. Ronald Jones got 18 carries in this game and a touchdown, so definitely was worth starting. Also, Leonard Fournette was inactive in this one. Mike Evans, three for 56. He's been quiet all year, so you don't even see Godwin's name on here. It's been a rough year for the Tampa wide receivers. Antonio Brown, five for 49. And then Scotty Miller, one reception. It was a long one, 48 yards and a touchdown (laughs) there. So, uh, okay day for Tampa. Now, on the side of Minnesota, Kirk Cousins didn't exactly give the game that uh, that you would want if you started him in the fantasy playoffs, unfortunately. Uh, 30, uh, 24 of 37, 225 passing yards, 41 rushing yards, and a touchdown. So not a complete disaster, but also not – if you started Cousins, you're probably not advancing. I, I think that's probably the, the bottom line there. Uh, Cook, 22 for 102 on the ground, two receptions, eight yards, and a touchdown. Irv Smith was one of his favorite targets, four for 63 and a score. And then Conklin showed up here on the fantasy board, five receptions, for 40 yards in this one. So Minnesota could have won. You know, they they definitely started off real good. Mm-hmm. It looked like they they were moving the ball well on Tampa Bay. Uh, I, I don't feel like the Vikings were aggressive enough. I, I know I say that a lot about field goals, but I really, I feel like they went into that just like really playing scared and not attacking Tampa. You had to know eventually the Bucks were going to score. They were the better rested right. team. They came off a bye. And then guess what happened in the second half? That showed up. <laughs> That's basically, I mean, yeah. it happens in every, almost in every NFL oh, game. Oh, look. Vikings got tired. It's been hot as you know what here in Florida. I don't know why it is, but it's hot again all of a sudden. And the Vikings crumbled in the end. Did they have a chance to get a backdoor cover? Yes. Did they ever have a chance to win the game? Probably not. No, you're right. And look, Tampa came out flat in this game in the first quarter. Minnesota looked like the better team here early on. And then that big pass, that one reception by Scotty Miller, 
that kind of got them back on track there. And uh, look, great job by Dalvin Cook and, and the O-line there, getting him 100 yards against the number one rush defense uh, in the league. So that's his 14th touchdown, by the way. And I know Ron Jones didn't quite get 20 carries, but he got 18. Once again, proving that point now, you, you get Ronald Jones 18, 20 carries, you're going to win football games with that defense, and you're going to take some pressure off of Tom Brady, having to make throws that he can't make that he used to make five, six years ago. He's just not that same guy. You can still win a Super Bowl with Tom Brady because the Patriots did just a couple years ago. But you have to support him. And, and when the Patriots did win that Super Bowl, people recall it was Sony Michelle looking really good in that stretch run, being good in the playoffs. I mean, they literally, you know, rode him, James White, and those guys through that when they were even good against Atlanta and that huge comeback. It was on the back of James White and setting up things. So, look, this was a, a huge win for Tampa. This is the end for the Minnesota Vikings. And it's unfortunate because had they handled their business in Dallas, maybe they'd still be a little bit alive, but they're not anymore. And, look, Kirk Cousins was up against it. This was a tough matchup on the road, and, and he had, had such a good run there. It's not surprising that it kind of fell apart. He was more of a QB2 anyway this week. But, uh, look, credit to the Tampa Bay Bucks. Important win. They got the W, and New Orleans got a loss. So, really, Sunday worked out very well for them in this division. All right, on to Dallas and Cincinnati. We only have a couple minutes left in this segment here, and that's a good thing because this game was terrible. <laughs> Dallas came out and just smashed Cincinnati in the mouth early and then just ran away late, but they didn't really run away because they don't have the talent to run away. So, Cincinnati sort of hung around there in the fourth. Andy Dalton, 16-23, 185 passing yards and two touchdowns. Zeke Elliott. I mean, 12 for 48, two receptions, 11 yards. I think I saw him get at least three carries inside the five and didn't score on any of them. So not that optimistic on him moving forward, I got to say. Pollard, 11 for 39. I guess you could say he looked a little bit better, but uh, I I don't think with a full complement of carries that he's going to ever touch what Zeke was. And then Cooper was the only wide receiver worth starting. He had four receptions for 51 yards and a touchdown. Dallas went up and then just sat on the ball, Mm -hmm. and that was just basically it because Cincinnati couldn't get out of their own way. They had three fumbles in the first half. Three fumbles, Cincinnati, in the first half. Wow. Brandon Allen, 27-36, 217 passing yards, 12 rushing yards, and a touchdown. Travion Williams, finally, Cincinnati went to a different running back. Good for them. 12 carries, 49 yards, three receptions, 14 yards. A.J. Green was like, he must have been target. I don't know what the numbers were, (laughs) but it looked like they were every time. I don't know why. But maybe they they wanted to go out on a good note. I'm not sure. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) T. Higgins has been quiet last few weeks. Again today, uh, yesterday, five for forty nine. Tyler Boyd, five for forty three. I gotta say, I I know that Burrow is out, and I and I believe that the Bengals will have some sort of future. I gotta be honest with you, I'm not impressed at all with them. Like I I don't. How many years can you go like zero and sixteen, one and fifteen? And this coach that they have, Zach Taylor, I suppose is supposed to be like this offensive genius of some kind. They looked okay when Burrow was in there. They were still losing a lot of games. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you talked about a lot of coaches getting let go. And if, if Zach Taylor is back as the head coach of Cincinnati, I'm not trying to get anybody fired. But if he does come back, you got to put him on that hot seat as like like top guy mm. or second guy. I, oh, I just yeah. have not been impressed at all with the way that they work. You're telling me that you have uh, Higgins and Boyd and you don't even throw down the field. I I don't get it. 
Well, look, I think when you're missing your starting quarterback and your starting running back, a lot of offenses would fail. But that being said, you're right. There's still a lot of deficits. There's still a lot of deficits in Cincinnati. And uh, I think that what you will see is as a new defensive coordinator and somebody with head coaching experience, maybe a guy like Anthony Lynn, maybe a guy like Lovey Smith back in the NFL. You're going to see somebody else like that, I think, paired with him with a little bit more experience. And I would say that I think for Cincinnati, it would be a little bit early to pull the trigger on a firing here because the last thing you want is to have a young quarterback with the talent of Joe Burrow and have him go into that jet cycle where you have a different coordinator and a different plan and a different guy every year. And then you just keep cycling through it. You want to have a guy grow in a system and then try to learn that and get that all right. But I do think bringing in some insurance with a defensive coordinator with head coaching experience is something Cincinnati should absolutely do. And on top of that, I think, you know, you, you kind of chalk this year up and say, okay, we're going to have more wins than last year, not a lot more, one right. more, and we had that tie against <laughs> the Eagles. If you're kind of looking at that, you can say, okay, realistically, maybe we were a three-win team after being a one-win team, and that's when you lose Burrow and Mixon for a good chunk of the season. So I think it's going to be early, but I do agree. Next year, if the Bengals start off 0-4, that's when yeah. I think you will see the trigger pulled, and that's when you probably will see that head coach experience guy kind of take over the helm. But I just want to be real careful because once again, I just touched on it before there's going to be a lot of head coaching vacancies. You're going to be fighting with a lot of other teams for spots. And yes, Cincinnati would be a good one with Burrow, but at the same time, there might be a lot of other jobs just as good, if not better. And I think you don't want to change systems on Burrow so often this time early. In it's not good. All right, coming up next, Kansas City and Miami at Hard Rock Stadium, plus Denver and Carolina. We'll have our fantasy standouts for those games next. Stay on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today. After yesterday's game between the Chiefs and Miami Dolphins, the quarterback of the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, tweeted out, I have a love-hate relationship with Hard Rock Stadium. The love, of course, winning the Super Bowl last year, which was actually this year, 2020. That's the love. The hate has to be the game yesterday. My gosh, this was the worst <laughs> game I've seen Patrick Mahomes play ever since he's been in the NFL. Oh, my gosh. What in the world was going on yesterday? I mean, the numbers, let's take a look at them. The numbers basically don't do this justice. I, I got to say, Tua looked better than him. I mean, for sure. 24 of 34, 393 passing yards, two touchdowns, three interceptions, and dare I say, all his fault. Every single one. Every single one was a bad pass. On top of it, the dude was on the 20-yard line and ran 17 yards back to the three and got he sacked. He did. That was, that was the worst moment. That You know what? The, the, he had Look, he had two picks in the first quarter. Both of them did touch the receiver's hands. One was tipped. So, I mean, I, I guess you can kind of, you know, get into that no a little way. bit. Those like, were high. They, they couldn't have caught They were high. They were high, but it did touch their hands. Both were tipped. But I, I will say this. The running backwards thing, that's that's a bad look, man. That's not something we see Mahomes make kind of mistakes like that. And uh, that was a weird moment. That was very un-Mahomes-like for sure. He threw the ball to Xavier Howard. I mean, he made a great pass, but he shouldn't have thrown that one either. I mean, was like, I was, Hill was never going to catch that pass. I, I don't know what got into him, but the good mm -hmm. news was is that if you don't lose points for picks, this looked like a great day in fantasy. <laughs> That's, That's true. true. Uh, That's true. Edwards Hilaire, 16 rushes, 
I thought he had more than 32 rushing yards. I guess I'm wrong. 32 rushing yards, five receptions, 59 receiving yards in that one. Tyree Kill had a good day, rushed for a touchdown. As Joe mentioned earlier in the show, he did pull up a little bit at the end of the game, which uh, was interesting because this was another one of our losses yesterday uh, Mm. in the Super Contest. Uh, Tyree Kill catches the ball, runs out of bounds, leaves enough time for the Chiefs to kick a field goal. They do. They go up by nine, and then Miami goes back and covers that spread. Ouch! <laughs> yesterday, mm. too. Tyree Kill, three. Okay, we got through him. Uh, Kelsey, eight four, <laughs> 136 at the touchdown. Look, Miami, outpl- Miami outplayed Kansas City from the second quarter on and and honestly had a, had a shot to win this game. Uh, this Tua, I thought, looked great. 28 of 48, 316 passing yards, 24 rushing yards, three touchdowns, one interception. One of them was a rushing touchdown. That's a tough team to go against. I don't know why the Chiefs just sort of give up on defense when they're up big, but I've seen, I saw it last year. I saw it this year, too. Uh, Lynn Bowden Jr., seven receptions, 82 yards. Uh, Parker left the game in this one, and it just got ugly for the receivers. Mac Hollins had five receptions, 66 yards. And then Mike Gusecki had another great day, five receptions, 65 yards, and two touchdowns. But a lot of the reports here out of South Florida say he's going to be maybe be out for the year. So yeah. that's a really unfortunate injury for him. Uh, but that, that my, my take on it was, was that. Obviously, I'm upset Kansas City was the right side in terms of covering, but they honestly didn't deserve it in the end. Mm-hmm. They didn't play well at all. Two back-to-back weeks the Chiefs have not covered. And I got to tell you, they can keep playing like this all season long and keep beating teams. If they play like this against any team in the playoffs, AFC Championship or Super Bowl, they are going to lose. They will lose. They they cannot play defense like that. They can't make mistakes like that. Yeah, the defense has to turn it up a notch. There's no doubt about that. But still, regardless of how bad they played, Craig, they were still up 30 to 10 in the beginning of the fourth quarter in this game. So when you can play your worst football and still be up 20 points on a team, it says how good the Kansas City Chiefs are. But at the same time, I want to give a little credit to Miami, too. It did play better in this game. Uh, you know, the defense doesn't quit. You know, the, the nice thing about this Dolphins team is I still think they have a way to go in terms of matching talent. But, I mean, this is another team like the Giants are kind of like, you know, the AFC version where they compete. And and I think that is very endearing to the fan base. And I think it's it speaks to the coach and the system and what they're doing there and everybody buying in and everybody being on the same page. And I think that's fantastic. I think he's going to be a huge loss if he is indeed out for the rest of the season, because for young quarterbacks, having that safety blanket tight end guy, especially a tight end like Kasiki who can line up in the slot and give you a little bit of different looks there. That's a big loss. So there, there's no doubt about that. And obviously before this game too, they didn't have gasket. Like they, they've had a lot of injuries right here in the last few weeks. So I don't know if the combination of losses and injuries eventually mount up and they end up find themselves on the outside looking in. But you're right. This was not the Chiefs' best game. They got the W. What they need to do is go out there next week and, and look really good. And look, you know, in all fairness, too, matching up against Tampa a few weeks ago, Tampa is one of the better teams in the NFC. That was a great game, a real battle. They came out on top, then they had the letdown game in Denver, and now this game. So it's time for them and the defense especially to kind of pick things up like they did in the second half last year if they're going to repeat. But uh, I have faith in Patrick Mahomes, and as long as Tyreek Hill is healthy, I mean, one of the best weapons in the NFL. I mean, the guy is just unbelievably talented. I mean, he touches the ball, and next thing you know, you look up and the score is different. Yeah, they didn't cover. That's all I care about. Denver, Carolina. Speaking of not covering, muted Carolina. Denver's Drew. Oh, this is a bad segment for you. How do we do this back oh, to back to you? Jacksonville? Where can we get to Jacksonville? That'll even be another one. Oh, uh, Drew Locke, cool. 21 of 27, 280 passing yards and four touchdowns. Melvin Gordon, 13 for 86, three receptions, 23 yards. 
KJ Hamler, two receptions, 86, two touchdowns. Tim Patrick, three for 36 and a score. And the tight end, Nick Vanette, four catches, 20 yards, and a touchdown. As Carolina's defense essentially a non-factor in the game. For Carolina, let's take a look at their statistics. Teddy Bridgewater ended up rallying late. It was not enough. 283 passing yards, 31 rushing, and ended up rushing for a touchdown as well. Mike Davis, who knows if, if my, I keep saying McCaffrey's coming back. Maybe not. Maybe Mike Davis is your guy to ride. Another great game for him. 11 for 51 on the ground, two touchdowns, five receptions, 20-plus fantasy points in the fantasy playoffs from Mike Davis. Curtis Samuel, 7 for 68, and two carries for 22 yards with no more involved in this one. Robbie Anderson, another very solid game, eight receptions, 84 yards, two carries, 13 rushing yards. And so beyond that, in terms of what I'm looking at here with my analysis, uh, in Carolina, Denver is that Carolina still a very young team. It was impressive that the way that they were able to come back against Denver, but I just don't think they should have ever been in that position. And they take the big fat L. Yeah, you're right. They are a young team, especially on the defensive side. And although they've played better at times, they still show that inexperience. Uh, once again, effort level good, uh, athleticism good, talent good. They just need to to learn a little bit more on the job. And I think that's look that's encouraging. I think for Matt Rule and the rest of this team. Uh, I would also throw in this Mike Davis yo-yo back and forth there. I hope people held on to Mike Davis because I, I can imagine. Was, I mean, we saw it. I don't even have to imagine it. We remember there was a dad on it the week McCaffrey came back. He was the most dropped guy around. Everybody just dropped Mike Davis, and that was very premature. I mean, Mike Davis continues to have a good season. Regardless, he's stepping into that void, and he's not Christian McCaffrey, but you know what? He's been a pretty decent RB2 most of the year, and that's at least useful to most fantasy teams, especially in 2020. So uh, Mike Davis, I think another one of these unsung heroes, I think, in the fantasy season when we kind of step back a little bit. And um, I also will continue to push the narrative that Denver is a fascinating situation with the right coach next year and the right system next year because K.J. Hamler is one of my favorite young wide receivers coming out of this draft, and I thought he was going to be a really good uh, possession slot kind of guy, real good kid too, real solid guy. And I'll tell you what, man, I, I think that you're seeing him a little bit start to really get it and starts to click for him these last few weeks. Patrick has had some really good games. Jerry Judy, we all know what kind of talent he has, too. It's just a matter of what can they do here in this offseason, not just with the coaching staff, with whoever the coordinator, the play calling, and, and whether it's a new quarterback or not. But there's potential here for a team like Denver with the right pieces coming in in the offseason to really turn this around quickly, I think, because I think defensively they can still play. They'll get Von Miller hopefully healthy back next year. I know he's older, but he's still Von Miller. So I think Denver is one of those fascinating off seasons to keep an eye on. All right, Tennessee and Jacksonville. This was one of our uh, another one of our picks in the Super Contest. You see where the trend is headed here. After th after the early games, we were zero and three. Now we do have some good news coming here. Some really good news coming ahead. But and, and honestly, the the Chiefs was a really bad beat. Should have had that win too. But uh, why we thought Jacksonville would keep this game close, I have no idea, but they did not. Tennessee dominated. Ryan Tannehill, 19 of 24, 212 passing yards, two touchdowns. Derrick Henry had the monster game, really from the first quarter on, because he didn't do much in the first, as I mentioned earlier in the show, and then he sort of went off. 26 carries, 215 rushing yards, two touchdowns. A.J. Brown had a fantastic touchdown catch and also made the most of his day. Seven receptions, 112 receiving yards there. On the side of Jacksonville, it's very clear. Mike Glennon hadn't played in a couple of years, came back in, teams hadn't seen him, and now they got the video, and that was the end. 13 of 23, 85 yards, one interception. He was pulled. 
Gardner Minshew came in 18 of 31, 178, and a, and a touchdown. Yeah. He actually looked okay, Minshew. Again, he always looks okay. I don't know why he'll just play Minshew. He's a good backup. I mean, you agree, right? I mean, Minshew's a guy that if you was, if you was your backup quarterback, I think you feel pretty good about Gardner Minshew being able to come off the bench and give you a spark because he's got that rah-rah kind of attitude, too. He's a, very, he's a very infectious kind of guy, you know, in terms of leadership qualities. He's just has some shortcomings at the quarterback position. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that Jacksonville has no business playing anyone other than Minshew. It doesn't make sense. Like they, I, I, I know that he got hurt and they had to use another quarterback, but he, when he is healthy, he is the best quarterback on their team. It may not be saying much for a lot of people, but he should be playing. I, it doesn't I add up for me. Robinson, 12 for 67, four receptions, 16 yards. And with this quarterback carousel, try picking who the best receiver is on Jacksonville on a weekly basis. You probably, the last 10 weeks, you probably have eight different guys. This week it was Cole. Seven receptions, 67 yards, and a touchdown. LaVisca Chenault was okay at 10 fantasy points. So uh, with Tennessee, they got back to what they do, run the ball. They played good defense. Honestly, uh, with the way they had been playing, I wasn't really sure that they would. But this has been the MO for the Titans. Either they're blowing people out or they're getting blown out. So, uh, you know, really hard to see where they're headed. I'm not sure. It's also hard to see Colin Johnson without Mike Glennon. Very sad. Because yeah, that's Colin Johnson was a really is a really nice lineup builder on uh, on a few sites for, for fantasy, and I, I thought that you know, hey, this is a nice trend here. Glennon's really looking for him. He's super cheap. Let's go up there, put him. Unfortunately, Mike Glennon gets bold, and there goes Colin Johnson, just poof, right away from you. And look, you know, I know we've talked a lot about Derrick Henry today, and we should because he's awesome at football. But let's also talk about AJ Brown a little bit too, because once again. Seven for 112 and a touchdown. This is a wide receiver one kind of line. This is a guy that does not get enough credit. And I understand that Tennessee's been frustrating this year. and It's a little Jekyll and Hyde. But look, Tannehill has played pretty darn well since taking over as a starter last year. And for the most part, in terms of fantasy, he's given you what you want. Yes, there's some volatility, maybe a little bit more volatility than you want in your starting quarterback. But I think you got to be happy with where you get him basically now, which is a low-end QB1, and you're getting some high-end performances for him. And yes, Derrick Henry does run the ball a ton, but look, you've seen uh, Corey Davis have big games. You've seen A.J. Brown have some big games. I know they just got Jonu Smith back healthy last week. Look, Tennessee is still in the thick of this thing. And Tennessee, I think, is this team that, just like last year, they're very dangerous if you let them get in the playoffs. And I think they're going to get in the playoffs. And I think if they just get in the playoffs, there might be a little collective sigh from this team, and they are very dangerous to play. They are a team that could come out there and absolutely murder you in the first round of the playoffs, or vice versa. And that's what makes them a really difficult team from a wagering standpoint. But from a fantasy standpoint, I love this team going into this year. I love them even more coming out of this year. They're starting to show me even more of what they can do and seeing a little bit more volume with A.J. Brown. And, you know, people will tell you the same thing. Well, he's super efficient. That's great. I love efficient wide receivers. Yes, you can get seven targets and catch all seven of them and get a touchdown. Fantastic. Give that to me all day long. A.J. Brown, another one of these guys, does not get enough credit in the fantasy community. And I think going into next year, when people have more time to kind of sit and digest the season, he's going to be a stock that's going to go way up in terms of value. He's been great. He's there's not a lot of receivers that are like him, so I, I would yes, guess that that big is body guy. That is tough the case. Strong. Yeah, but yeah, with Tennessee, like it is a very unpredictable season for them, mm-hmm. and they looked awful last week, and yeah. great the week before, and this week they look great. Yeah, it's 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 a tough it's a tough team to decipher. So that'll be interesting to see because they're going to go to the playoffs. It's just a matter of what they do in the first round. All right. Well, the Giants' playoff hopes took a pretty significant hit on Sunday where the line was kind of telling the story there. Why in the world would the Cardinals 
point favorites in New York. Oh, the Giants were supposed to win. Be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Well, the Giants certainly had their chance to capture that NFC East, but that fell by the wayside when they took on the Arizona Cardinals. It's uh, kind of remarkable. Just goes to show you about the NFL, how this is such a week-to-week league. Are you kidding me? The Giants go to Seattle and win outright <laughs> and then look like the worst team in the NFL in the first half against the Cardinals yesterday. FanDuel knows all. Vegas knows all. They make these lines for a reason. And when it looks weird, it usually is. Cardinals beat the Giants on the road as a three-point favorite. Kyler Murray, 24 of 35, 244 in the air, 47 on the ground, and a touchdown. Not great, but... He slowed down for sure at the end of the season, like last year. Kenyon Drake, 23 for 80 on the ground, one reception, 10 yards, and a touchdown. Hopkins was the lone fantasy star. Well, you know, I guess Drake getting 20 fantasy points is good, too. But uh, Hopkins, 9 for 136. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> what a finish yeah, for Kenyon Drake sure. this year. Look, this yeah, is good a finish. You know, We've, we've talked about healthy Kenyon Drake. This has been healthy Kenyon Drake the last few weeks, and it's been significantly different. This is a guy who continues to lead from red zone touches, continues to get goal line touches, and is actually converting them. So we're giving a lot of guys hard times about not converting. Well, Kenyon Drake's been converting, and that's been really positive. So that's something, again, maybe you take next year and just, you know, we forget. He was in a walking boot to start the season. I think we forget because it's such a long time ago in football world in 2020. But Kenyon Drake being healthy now certainly looks like a very different Kenyon Drake than it was at the beginning of the year. Yeah, no, he's he's been very good, and I, and I think that combination with him and Edmonds works as well. For the it Giants, does. it was a disaster. Uh, Daniel Jones, 11-21, 127 passing yards. Gallman, finally. I mean, honestly, I give Wayne Gallman a lot of credit. He's been great the last five weeks, but this was just great. the one week you plug him in in the playoffs, you probably lost if you played Wayne Gallman. Mm-hmm. He only had 57 yards. And then the, the receivers and tight end didn't do anything with Shepard. So uh, Giants will bounce back. I think, Joe, they're going to fight right down to the end of this thing. I, I still think they're alive and they have a chance. But mm-hmm. all of the balloon popped, I thought, for them yesterday. Yeah, it not, did. Not, not it with, did. Losing, with the way they lost. They just they looked like yeah. the team that we saw back in week two. And, and Daniel Jones didn't look healthy. I think he was trying to soldier on, but great day for Hassan Reddick to five sacks for him. That's a team record in a single game. So shout out to him. That boy had a big day yesterday on Daniel Jones' behalf. All right, that'll do it for the first hour. We got another hour coming here on Sports Grid. You don't need to go anywhere. We got plenty more to come. Make sure you stay tuned. Fantasy Sports Today rolls on in just two minutes. 